0: welcome to the passive mobile home park investing podcast with your host andrew keel this is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100 passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks
1: welcome to the passive mobile home park investing podcast this is your host andrew keel and today we have an amazing guest in mr gabe peterson Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Gabe is the founder of Kaizen Properties and the host of the Real Estate Investing Club podcast. Gabe started his career as a management consultant for Fortune 500 companies in Seattle, Washington. He soon realized the corporate world did not fit the vision he had for his life. It wasn't until he bought his first broken down triplex in Tacoma, Washington, that he truly found his path in real estate. He now repositions commercial real estate across the US with a special focus on RV and mobile home parks. Gabe, we're excited to welcome you to the show,
0: brother. Andrew, thanks for having me on
1: yeah man let's start out by just hearing a little bit about your story and how in the world you ended up in manufactured housing
0: yeah uh, i mean like pretty much every person in real estate that i've talked to my story is definitely not linear um i feel like that's kind of a that it, that is what you see in real estate is people don't gen, they're starting on one path and then they go a different direction and they end up in real estate and they're loving it that's the same thing for me like I said, I got started in, in corporate, I was in Microsoft, but I always knew that I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to have my own business. Um, I really wanted to create my own schedule. That was like my main focus. So I was working at Microsoft. I was trying different things. I was trying, I built a uh, e-commerce company. I jumped into digital marketing, um, all these different side businesses, you know, trying to find a way out, trying to find a way to make uh, to make money, passive income on the side. It wasn't until, like I said, I did that first triplex plex in Tacoma, did a flip. Obviously, flips they take a lot, a lot of effort. Hats yeah. off to all the flippers out there. It's a, it is quite a business. But I did a flip, and I, I think we made like eighty six thousand dollars on that first flip, and that was the most I'd ever seen in a check. And I was like, okay, there's something to real estate. <laughs> this makes sense. And so it, that was in twenty fourteen. It was a long time ago, and I didn't really jump into you know, rv mobile home parks or even jump into real estate full-time until 2019 2020 so mm-hmm. there was a long period there where i was working corporate and i was still you know on the side i was flipping houses i was uh doing wholesales you know just kind of dabbling and it took me what about six years to finally make the decision and jump full-time into real estate and i got there it was twenty twenty nineteen twenty eighteen ish, and I had you know I'd done some flips, I'd done some wholesales, and I just got to the point where I was like, I need to, I need to make the decision, I need to make that jump, get into it full time. I had been networking a lot, meeting people, and uh, somebody I'd met was going into mobile home parks. They had taken a course. I can't remember. It was that the guy who does he does a pretty popular course, but he Frank Rolf. The uh, M.H.U. boot camp or is it? Yeah, M- Butt, yeah maybe? that's it. M.H.U. M- boot camp. Boot camp. Yeah. Awesome. So he did that and he was he was really interested in mobile home parks. He talked to me about it. I had actually been thinking about going into multifamily, but then he kind of sold me on mobile home parks. Um, You know, you own the dirt. You don't have the broken toilets, the all that all that jazz. And so I said, all right, let's do it. So we focused in on mobile home parks, started marketing. It took us probably eight months before we bought the first one six Mm -hmm. or eight months. But once we bought the first one, you know, we got that uh, turned around pretty quickly, making some some good cash flow. And a couple months after that, we bought the next one. That's fantastic. So when was that your very first mobile home park purchase? That was in, I think we closed at the very end of 2018. Okay. Yeah. And so it was. Yeah, I think we closed at the very end of 2018. And tell us about that
1: that park i mean was it an rv park an mh park what did it look like
0: where is it It located compared to where you're located yeah so it's in george washington it's just this little dot of a city in washington state on the east coast of the mountains kind of interesting backstory to that city this uh this guy wanted to create a a themed city in the theme of like you know george washington the that era of history he was a potato farmer and you know he That was his his main, main business. And he had all the skills and potatoes, but he didn't have the skills in redevelopment. And so he got started, but he didn't actually do anything with it. Um, Mm -hmm. But he still owned all the land and all the businesses in in George. And so he was kind of parceling them off and selling them. And we ended up, you know, we reached out to him and we got great seller financing terms. He gave us, I think it was 10% down and it was three, three something interest. Um, Nice. And yeah, we got it for, five years but it was in rough shape it was uh it was not like you know your your class a mobile home park at all those are the best ones those are the best ones to cut your teeth on
1: right the ones that are the little rougher you get a you know firsthand experience
0: (laughs) yeah for sure it was a lot of a lot of learning that's uh that's for sure But so it was, it was kind of a mix, mixed use, uh, mobile home RV. I think there were actually, there were more RVs than there were mobile home. There are, there are long-term stay RVs though. So it kind of acted like a mobile home park. It was most of the workers there worked in the neighboring farms. So the area, this area was a very, it was farm oriented farmland. Okay. And so there was a lot of Hispanics, which was great because I would I you know, just not just, but earlier I had learned Spanish. And so I got to bring that out of my pocket and, and, uh, and speak with the residents. But yeah, how many like lots? I said, how many lots was that one? Uh, it was 27, 27 lots. Okay. And we're actually just now we, I called the city yesterday. We're looking to expand. We're going to add, um, hopefully we'll be able to double the footprint, but, yeah, uh, oh, wow. we got, we got quite a bit of land on that in that area that we can, we can expand into, but it was, uh, it was in rough shape. Like I said, uh, there's been a lot of changes. We had to redo the entire, uh, sewer system. Oh, wow. Uh, A lot of the pedestals had to be replaced. Um, There is a duplex or I don't know if it's a duplex, but there's a house on the just a really rundown house on the property. Um, We originally were thinking we were going to turn it into a a unit that the property manager could live on. Mm. But we ended up buying another property that was pretty close. uh, Another uh, RV mobile home park. And so she lives on that property. So we still have this house. We we haven't done anything with it. We we really should. the end goal was to flip it and make it nice, but it's still uh still there. But that was the first one. A lot of you know, a lot of scars from that one, but it was a uh, it sure. was a good learning experience.
1: Yeah, tell me about the sewer system. What was it private sewer, I'm assuming? And and what what did that look like? Having to replace
0: all that. No, it was public. It well, up to oh, wow. you know, to the street. And so everything it was the it happened like Probably six months into owning it, um, one of the tenants let us know that there was backflow. And so we fixed that backflow. A couple months later, it happened again. We fixed that one. A couple months later, it happened again. Uh. And so we just kept having this recurring issue. And you're we like, what is the deal? We eventually like dug up a portion. And this area, it's really flat. The, the land is very flat. And so people grow these huge, really, really tall trees to reduce the wind. Well, these trees, you know, I love trees except for when they're in the mobile home parks because those dang roots. <laughs> yeah, the trees had gotten into the roots and just completely decimated these lines, and so we had to dig them up, put put in uh, PVC, and and uh, wow, yeah. what was it made of when you bought it? What was the sewer lines made of? I think it was concrete. Okay, concrete or like clay? Yeah, I, I I'm not good at just okay. judging like based on looks. Um, okay. But I, it was like one of those two. Gotcha. And tell me, so now that was 27
1: lots, cut your teeth. How many lots are you up to now? Do you have more parks? You know, what, is it, what does it look like since 2018?
0: Yeah. So after that, we bought another RV mobile home park. That one had 44 lots. That one is doing great. That one's on septic and sewer or septic and well, which you know everybody, when you're learning about mobile home parks, they all say don't get septic and well. But we were the the numbers on this were just way, way good. And the seller gave us 2.67% interest with 10% Jeez. down interest or uh seller financing. So we were just like, you know, we'd be dumb not to do this. And it turned out to be a great park. It has it used to be a KOA or I don't know if it was a KOA, but you know, that sort of style of property. I mean it had this really big kind of convenience store slash apartment unit slash you know, external public, public restrooms Mm -hmm. on the front of it, um, which was perfect for our property manager to live in. And then there was a whole bunch of mobile homes and then long-term stay RVs. And so brought that one in that one again, had a lot of things we had to do. We had to replace some uh, septic system, which I had no idea septic systems were so expensive. It's just, that was the first septic system I've ever replaced. It cost $36,000. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, how do you do this? So yeah, that that one's doing really well. Again, we own both of these right now. They're 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 doing great. Since that second one, I've uh, you know I got really interested in just other asset classes, and I looked at self storage, and so I bought six self storage facilities in last year, and that brings us to today. Gotcha. So you just have the two parks under a hundred
1: lots. That's that's what you're focusing on. It's it's RV MH split, right? Yep. So my big question for you is, how'd you get educated on mobile home parks and RV parks before diving in? And what did that look like? I know you said you had a friend that attended the boot camp. Are you, are you both partners with that friend in both of these
0: deals? Yep. Yep. We partnered on, on both the deals. And it was just really just looking online and, and reading about people who've gone through it. Um, I listened to a podcast back in the day dang, I can't remember the podcast either. But <laughs> I, l- I listened to a, a mobile home, a guy who does mobile home parks, uh, his podcast. And yeah, it was really just going through bigger pockets and reading about what other people have done. You know, real estate, I always like to say it's it's not rocket science. Um, you need to have a, a general framework and understanding of the of underwriting and finances when you get into a park outside of that if you get you know if you get reports um if you have somebody come out and do inspections it's not it's not super crazy and so i uh yeah we 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 learned a bit and then we jumped in we got our hands dirty and uh we've gone from there yeah it does seem like it got
1: burned a little bit on the the sewer on both of these had yeah. to get replaced what do you think he could have done differently to you know in due diligence you know, that maybe you learned and, and, you know, if you bought a third mobile home park, maybe you do differently since these two, the
0: sewer issues popped up, you know, pretty soon thereafter you closed. Sewer scope, obviously just go in there and get a, get them scoped. We didn't get the line scoped when we bought that first one. We just had someone go out there and I think they, what they did is they actually looked at the mobile homes thinking that we own the mobile homes, but we don't we actually did when we bought it, we owned a few of the mobile homes, we, you know, promptly sold them to the to the tenants. And so what I think didn't happen was a, a scope of the actual sewer line. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's big.
1: And then the move to self storage, maybe you could share some light on that. I mean, I've, I've gotten into self storage as well. But I'd be curious, like why you moved away from mobile home parks? Was there something wrong with these? I mean, uh, maybe you can just talk briefly
0: on that. Yeah, so I, you know, we were in mobile home parks. It was they, the properties themselves performed really well. And I always say I, there is an absolute need for evictions. It's a necessary part of the process, it's, but it's not something I truly enjoy. And so I wanted to, I was looking at other asset classes that don't have somebody living on the property. And so I looked at industrial and self-storage. I really like self-storage and just because it's it's very easy to automate. So I jumped in.
1: And tell me, would you say that like that was the hardest part of the business, or the toughest part of the business for you was the the eviction process for mobile home parks? Yeah, yeah, okay. And is it you know in the states you're operating in, you know, is it a little bit more restrictive, you know, being in Washington compared to other states from an eviction standpoint?
0: Uh, so I haven't owned mobile home parks outside of Washington State. They're both in Washington, so I can't really compare it to anything. But what you know, when I speak with other Investors, other operators—they say that Washington is is difficult, but you know I can't really I can't really make sure. a judgment there. Yeah, how long does it take, like from start to finish, typically to to get someone out? So far, we have been successful using cash for keys. Okay, um, and nice. so we haven't had to go through the full eviction process. It's just the drama that ensues <laughs> when when the eviction process does start. Sure. Um, you know, with mobile with self storage, I've I have no qualms if somebody is not paying their you know paying their rent, and they're renting, they're putting their stuff in one of the units, I don't have no issue of, of starting the eviction process. But with mobile home parks, it can, it can get difficult, which is just, you know, it's just one of the things that operators, it's one of the things that you have to deal with. And yeah. it's, it's not a good thing. It's, it's a necessary part of the operations of the business. But it's just uh, it's something and I had always wanted to check out other asset classes. And so it's just something I, I decided to, to try out. Gotcha. So, I mean,
1: you got into these first two. You know, kind of. It seems kind of scrappy, right? Like they're a mix of MH and, and RV, yeah. and there's some seller financing, uh, which seems like you got some really good terms on. Has your strategy changed at all since getting into these two? Is there like a a new strategy that you would say, like on your next deal that you're looking for?
0: Yeah, I mean, now I'm looking at bigger properties. Hmm. I'm still looking at self storage, and uh, we we I have my eyes open for really good uh, mobile home RV park deals, but we're not actively uh, investing a lot of you know dollars into our marketing for for off market stuff. Um, I generally only look at off market deals. I don't look at broker deals. Not that there aren't good deals out there with brokers. It's just I don't do that. Yeah. So now, I mean, I'm doing my first syndication with a, a you know eighty thousand square foot self storage facility coming up here soon, and so that's. The last deal I did was was relatively large, too, uh, for self-storage, and we raised capital for that. Um, and so now it's it's I'm looking more at the syndication model. Um, I haven't done it yet, so, so don't ask me questions on how it, how it goes. I'm learning right now. But, no, that's yeah. awesome.
1: That's really cool. And I, and I totally get that. And without going down the rabbit hole of talking too much about storage, because I, I do like some aspects of storage. But as I step back and I look at my portfolio, we have 11 self-storage facilities and 33 mobile home parks, mm-hmm. I prefer mobile home parks. Like I, if I could pick the same income, you know, the same cap rate, I would choose mobile home parks. I'd be curious
0: to see what you would pick. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's pluses and minuses for both, right? Uh, and that's the- What are those? Part. Yeah, um, maybe you can just
1: elaborate a little bit on that.
0: Yeah, it all comes down to when you own an asset, you know, it really comes down to property management. Can you find good property management? Can you get good systems in place and somebody who can adhere to those systems and, and really, you know, run the business well. For mobile home parks, I found it difficult to find good property management. And that is kind of the, the hang up that I had with mobile home RV parks. Not that they're not out there. Obviously, you know, you can find really good property managers. I'm sure you have really good property managers. It's more difficult. With self-storage, I ended up finding a really good third-party property manager who is just crushing it. And so it kind of got to the point where I was just like, okay, this person is in place, she's really good, their team is really good. And so but the problem with self storage is, you know, first of all, you have way more people than you do with mobile home parks. A self storage facility that, you know, a $3 million self storage facility is going to have 500 people. A $3 million mobile home park is going to have, you know, could even have like 50 people. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you it's just huge there's a huge difference in the number of people that you're dealing with, and then also with self storage, one of the biggest is- issue that I've figured out with self storage is uh, is vandalism. We just have so much vandalism. It might be the locations that we own our properties in, but we've we've been we've been battling that a lot. And so if I were to choose between mobile home RV or uh, mobile home RV and and self storage, um, and we haven't actually we haven't really been talking just about RV parks. We've been talking about kind of like long term stay mobile mm-hmm. home esque parks. But even if I was thinking of just RV, something I haven't done, but it is something that would be that I'm that I might be interested in just because you have this opportunity to be a little bit more creative in the the alteration of the property, making it really enticing to uh, to people to bring in their short term stay RVs. So (laughs) this is a long way to say I'm not sure which one I I like better. There are pluses and minuses to both right now. I'm I'm in self storage. And home I think also,
1: process. yeah, like, you know, like you're saying, you're upgrading, you're going with a, an 80,000 square foot storage facility, you know, in, in MH, you know, if you go after a, a 80, 90 lot mobile home park, that's all tenant owned homes, that's going to be a lot different to manage than the, the smaller ones that, that you have currently that have that, that RV component. But I think the big thing comes down to the low turnover, right? Like, yeah, it's been proven in my portfolio that less than 5% of the tenant owned homes move out every year like oh, wow. when people when people own their homes like they stay like yeah. regardless like they're they're there and that just provides more stability of the income and of the cash flow and more reliability so that's the one thing but in storage you know the pricing is like such a big component and in, in managing that from a revenue management and dynamic pricing standpoint and then also if you're in a big market it's kind of counterintuitive to a, to a sense because you're competing with these REITs that You know, have a whole team of people just working on pricing. And if you don't check it, you know, every week and they drop their prices on their, you know, five by tens, all of a sudden you're going to notice your move outs on five by tens. And you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Oh, well, they cut their pricing or they have a new promotion or something like that. And then the RV parks, uh, I think, are interesting. But again, it's the stability of the income stream, Mm -hmm. right? Like, And I also, I always think of like the worst case scenario, like a recession, like what is an RV park going to look like, right? And I I know a lot of guys are all big on RV parks right now because you can get in at some attractive cap rates and you can add value um, different ways, right? Like someone told me that you can you know provide golf carts and then they're like, they're getting, they're charging people to use the golf cart while they're in the RV park. (laughs) And they added like, you know, it's more like recreational, right? They they come there and they added like a... uh, you know, like some recreational stuff, like a water park that was like these blobs and things that they can play on and they charge like, you know, per day. And it was interesting because those are ways you add value, increase the NOI. But again, when you're in the middle of a recession, do you think people are going to be paying for those little add-ons? You know, like I think at the end of the day, they're going to be paying for their lot rent where they stay. And same thing with storage, right? I I think it's just a it's interesting it does have a proven track record in in recessions but mm-hmm. it is
0: still new as an asset class overall so anyway yeah, i know we kind of went down that that rabbit hole but yeah that's uh, yeah, that that is another another thing that i thought about for storage is like how solid the solidity of the of the need i guess out there in society obviously you know storage is it's not a necessity it's not something mobile mm-hmm. home parks people are living in these in these parks they're You know, this is where their house is. Is where their roof is. That's a need. That's something that we need in society. But self storage is not necessarily a need. It's just, it's a, it's a nice to have. And like you said, you know, the previous recessions in history. I didn't live through them, but I, I, I looked at charts, and uh, self storage has proven to be recession resistant. I don't know if that means anything, but I still come back to the fact that it's not a necessity in your life. It's a, it's nice to have.
1: Let's let's go back here. This is a question I asked all my guests. I say, what are the most important things that passive investors, you know, if we're if you're putting on a syndication, you know, those LP investors, what do they need to look out for before investing into a mobile home park? Like, what would you look at if you were going to invest in another operator? What would you make sure to like, ask the operator or check before investing in that, that deal?
0: I mean, the first thing is just track record. Have they done this before? Do they know what they're doing? Do they have a plan? Um, it doesn't you know, I had people invest in, in my deals when I was very, very new. Um, and I, and I, you know, thank them for that. And I think they did because I had a plan, even though I didn't have a track record, obviously, it's better to have people, you know, to invest with people who have a track record, you said you have 36 parks. So somebody like you who has, you know, tons of parks, a lot of experience, that's obviously a better sign than somebody who doesn't. So a track record, a plan. And then you know, if you if you're investing passively, it's always a good idea to just understand the basics of how to underwrite a park. You don't necessarily have to go through the entire process, but just being able to understand how the finances and how P&L works for a mobile home park would be good because then you could ask for it and just kind of do your own a little bit of due diligence and decide whether or not the plan that they tell you is a reasonable plan. Um, you know, if they're- That's big. If yeah. they're expecting to, to double the rents and uh, and you don't think that's possible then that's that could be a a red flag
1: and also like just from a you know just from a standpoint of like ethically you know do you want to be involved in a deal where the operator is creating value just by going to these people and saying okay your rent's 250 a month right now next year it's going to be 500 a month like right. that to me seems like a very lazy way to squeeze NOI where when you're filling vacant lots you're rehabbing empty homes you're you're doing some capital improvements to the property that's forced equity right that's putting true value into that you know some of these private equity firms you know from from the research i've done they're they're using an equation based off of other metrics like median home price and they're saying oh well based on this metric you know lot rents should be x in this market even though all the market rents are 300 a month it should be 500 a month so we're just going to go and rip the bandaid off Right. And it's like, that's not, that's why we're getting a bad name in, in some of these bad articles that are coming out. And it's just, uh, I agree. But going back to the underwriting question uh, or the underwriting point on reviewing, underwriting just from a basic level, you know, one thing I've seen a lot of, um, because I've, I've invested passively this year in five deals in mobile home park and one RV MH type of deal. And one thing I've seen is some operators that are capitalizing the park owned home income. So it looks really good, right? The numbers are really great, but they're capitalizing at a seven or eight cap the park-owned home income, right? Where a bank's not going to do that, an appraiser's not going to do that. So if you don't understand what that means, you know the numbers could look a
0: lot better than they actually you know will turn out. So that that is my biggest pet peeve with looking at broker deals is they always capitalize the. Well, yeah. you know, there are specific brokers out there who are really good about it, but a lot of brokers, when they're selling mobile home parks, they capitalize the, the park on home income. And so it looks like a, a 15 cap, and then you go into it, you're like, this isn't, this isn't half of that, it's not even. Yeah. And just so, a yeah, real a breakdown
1: point. of what that is. So the lot rent is what get cap- gets capitalized to determine the value of the property. So if lot rent is, you know, 300 a month, you know, you would take that times however many lots, and divide that by a cap rate, you know, that the property's trading at, and that's the value of the property. Now, if you have 300 a month lot rent, but you have 600 a month park owned home rent, because you're doing like a a straight rentals, you don't capitalize the $600 a month fully, like you would the $300 a month lot rent. And that's, you know, it's getting kind of in the weeds, but I think at a high level, you just need to differentiate the two, park owned home income and tenant owned home lot rent income are two different different things. Um, and then you you may you're, you're coming on track record. I, I 100% agree. That's the number one thing you would look at and you know, I think you and I got started because people took risks on us and they were rewarded for those risks. Because they took more of a chance, they were rewarded more, right? So like if you're investing in a newer operator, you better be getting like best in industry, you know, terms from the deal and then uh you know the experience part all I kept thinking about when you were saying experience is, wow, I've made mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes <laughs> yeah. and learned from those, right? Like I was I was doing a podcast a couple of weeks ago and I was saying like, we started with like a 50 point due diligence checklist and every single deal we've bought, we've added something new to that checklist. So it's up to like 300 checkpoints now. <laughs> so it's it's learning and it's, you know, having sewer issues, kind of like the ones you had, which I've had the same issue where yeah. we should have scoped the lines and we didn't uh, trying to save money up front. But now it's like, no, we're going to do yes, that we're doing every it. single time. <laughs> is happening. Not even, yeah, because then you find out stuff and you can negotiate with the seller while you still have leverage to get a reduction or, hey, I, I did the scope. It cost me three grand, but there was roots in the lines on this lot and this lot and this lot. Mr. Seller, I want you to go ahead and jet those lines and, and get mm. them cleaned out before we close, right? That's very, that's a very clean ask of a seller. But then after the, the deal is closed, you can't do that. But yep. those were some, some good points there. So let's just talk about this briefly. You know, with the way the economy is heading, uh, with way higher interest rates and, and everybody's just kind of questioning what 2023 is going to look like. How do you think specifically mobile home parks will fare
0: during this impending recession? If you look back in history, and again, I am i haven't gone through previous recessions. I'm, I'm new to the recession game, but uh, I've read a bunch about them. And if you look at previous recessions, mobile home parks, they've fared, I think they've fared the, at the best in when you're talking about asset classes, uh, mobile home parks are the most recession resistant, which when you think about it, they're they're the cheapest, most affordable form of housing. Housing is the the very building block of life. It's the, the first need that you that you get outside of food and water is housing. And so it makes sense that mobile home parks are one of the most recession, if not the most recession, asset recession resistant asset class out there. Um, so I don't think m- mobile home parks are going to be affected that much. You know, with the stuff like I, like I own, it's a hybrid between mobile home and RV. Even that, I don't think it's going to be affected that much, although they will be affected more because it's a lot easier to drive an RV out of a park than it is to get an entire home out of a park. But on the whole, I don't think they're going to be affected that much.
1: Yeah. And what do you think about like when people say, hey, you know, these, your tenant base are the most fragile, right? Like they're the low income, you know, tenant base, they're the low income people that like are are most affected
0: in recessions. So how do you think that will, will play out? Well, if you got, you know, good operators, they'll, they'll know how to help their tenants. So we, if we ever have a tenant who's fallen behind on rent, we have contacts with our our housing authority and we, you know, we give them the contact information. We are on first name basis with, with the person in the, in the housing authority. And we just call them up. We're like, this person needs help. And then they can get assistance. Um, And so if a person is in your park and they're running into financial issues and you're a good operator, you're going to help them stay in your park. And then the other thing, obviously, is not to jack up the rents during during a recession, because that can yeah. that, that will, if they're more price sensitive, then that will definitely affect their their daily life. Yeah, those
1: are two really good points. Thanks for sharing that. And that's, that's one thing also when you're you know, going back to the eviction conversation, you know, as a park owner, same thing in storage, right? Like, you never want to evict or auction off units, right? When you auction off units, everybody thinks, oh, you make all this money. No, you you almost (laughs) always lose when you auction off a storage unit. And And when you- And it's all all just junk, right? And then same thing in mobile home parks. When you have to go through an eviction process, you're never going to get that money back, right? Like you're losing all of those costs. So we do the cash for keys program where we literally say, hey, before we file this eviction and go down this road, hey, we'll pay you X amount, whatever that is because we're gonna pay the attorney that amount anyways. Yeah. So we'll give you till X amount of days to get your, st- we, we'll even ask them, hey, how many days do you need? Yeah. Okay, we'll give you the X amount of days and we'll pay you this so that you got a, a soft landing somewhere else. And that is just, like you said, you wanna to try to help them all you can, but then at a certain point, the cash for yeah. keys becomes a viable option. And yeah, that's why we almost never get to the eviction process because it's not a win for anybody. It's a, it's yeah. a lose-lose. But Gabe, we're, we're running a little long on time here. Last question, what does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes from your time in the space and why?
0: The perfect mobile home park, I guess it depends on whether you're buying the park or owning the park. If it's you're owning the park then it's, you know, it's a 100 unit mobile home park that has paved streets, you know, street lights, everybody's got their own uh, their own mailbox, um manicured lawns, all that stuff, just a beautiful beautiful mobile home park. Uh if it's if I'm buying it, then it is a uh, you know, hundred hundred space mobile home park that's kind of uh it's in a good area of town, but it's it's rougher. Uh it's got it's got some you know abandoned homes in there. Um, it's got some issues, some some you know, some hair on the on the deal. And it's a seller who's very willing to negotiate seller financing. I love it. I love it. Well, congrats
1: to you and your success, Gabe. Uh, if any of our listeners would like to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to
0: do so? Uh, yeah, the best way to, uh, to reach out is just check out the, the podcast website. It's the therealestateinvestingclub.com. Um, and then you can, if you want to email me, it's just Gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. And yeah, that's it. I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today.
1: Absolutely. That's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Would you like to see Mobile Home Park value-add projects in progress? If so, follow us on Instagram, at Investing for photos and awesome videos from our recent Mobile Home Park acquisitions. Once again, that's at Investing on Instagram. See you there.